Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. The de Young is an elite international museum, no doubt about it. But it's also a place in Golden Gate Park in the heart of San Francisco and the Bay Area. And for the second time, the museum has run a competition called de Young Open for Bay Area artists to submit work and get placed into a massive show at the museum. Nearly 8,000 people submitted their works and more than 800 were selected. They're hung right now at the museum and we'll spend the hour talking about the show and what it says about the state of the Bay Area and Bay Area art. That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. In no time or place has it ever really been easy to be an artist. If you are an artist, you definitely don't mean to need me to tell you that. But this Bay Area with its high cost of living and tech culture in this economy, it's particularly, specifically hard to be an artist in the Bay Area right now. All of which makes the new show at the DeYoung something special. DeYoung Open 2023 is an all-Bay Area show highlighting the many different art practices that our local community engages in. I went last week, and it's a legitimately dizzying and overwhelming experience as the work surrounds you, climbing up the walls, continuing room after room. Plan to spend some time with your neighbor's artwork. This morning, we're joined first by the curator of the show, Timothy Anglin Burgard. He is the distinguished senior curator and curator in charge of American art for the Fine Art Museums of San Francisco. Welcome, Tim. Thank you for having me. So this is the second time the de Young curated this exhibit. Last one was, you know, peak pandemic 2020, and that was organized around a, a guiding theme. This year, the call left wide open. Can you talk about some of the themes that kind of just organically emerged from what people submitted? One of the most distinguishing characteristics of the de Young Open is that it really takes the pulse of Bay Area artists in the moment. So many museum exhibitions, as everyone knows, could take one, three, five years to organize. But the de Young Open, the call goes out, the works arrive for submissions about three months later, and they're installed three months after that. So you're really getting a sort of canary in the coal mine sense of what Bay Area artists are thinking and feeling and what they're making. And so in 
the first gallery, for example, you will see works devoted to the January 6th insurrection, the war in Ukraine, women's rights around the world, global warming, all the issues that really Mm -hmm. weigh upon all of us. And I think that's one of the distinguishing characteristics. As you say, yes, it is a show by and for and of Bay Area artists, but they're also working locally, but they're thinking globally. So you got 8,000 submissions, roughly. Um, how do you actually pick among them? Like, what are the, what's the behind the scenes to this jury process? There are eight internal jurors at the museums. They're museum curators. And then they pass on out of the nearly 8,000 submissions, about 2,000 to the four artist jurors. Stephanie Siuko, Claire Rojas, Sonny Smith, and Xiaoxie She were our four artist jurors this year. And they make the final selection for the installation. It is a work by human beings, and we are not perfect <laughs> by definition. So what I always say about the De Young Open is these are works made by 883 individuals with their own unique identities and personalities. The same goes for the jurors themselves. So the De Young Open is by no stretch of the imagination perfect, but what I think it does embody is humanism and humanist values. And I think especially now in an age that is increasingly technological and sometimes inhuman, those values really matter. And it is changing so so rapidly, people have asked, were there any AI submitted works to the mm-hmm. Diang Open? The answer is yes, only 27. And juried blindly, anonymously, knowing nothing about the artist's identities, not one of those works <laughs> made it into the De Young Open. And when you look at them, you can understand why. They look like essentially Frankenstein monsters cobbled together mm-hmm. by sourcing imagery on the web, mm-hmm. but they don't have the sense of resolution and completeness and sort of a compelling image and message mm-hmm. that artists, the human artists themselves create. Yeah. But in three years for the next triennial, 2026, there will not be 20 27 entries that are AI yeah. generated. There will probably be hundreds, if not thousands. Yeah. Um, did you get any breakdown of, of kind of the median age or like a lot of people at the beginning of their careers? Was it mostly like mid-career artists who've been working for a long time? We just took a survey of the artists. We just received it yesterday, uh-huh. and we actually have some of those statistics. What's very interesting to me is that the vast majority of the artists are probably somewhere between 40 and 70. So uh, mid-career, older artists, our oldest artist is 86. We have two (laughs) 18-year-olds, which is the minimum age for a submission. And what puzzles me, and I want to encourage people for 2026, is that we had so many younger artists apply and get in who then said, this was a game changer for me. I secured a dealer. I've sold multiple works from the exhibition, not only the one in the show, but but then they've called my gallery or contacted me personally. And it really is a game changer. Uh, Rupi Tut was in the show in 2020, now has a show at ICA, and has gallery representation here in the city. So really, younger artists should be submitting their works to this exhibition for all the obvious reasons. You know, in this moment when people's identities are really at the forefront of a lot of art, do you think there's any limitations to a kind of blind submissions and enduring process? I don't. I actually think it's a great equalizer. I think the art world is sort of a closed world to many people, uh, both correctly, accurately, but also sometimes there are misperceptions about the art world. Um, It's diverse. It's complicated. It's also comprised of human beings um, who are all love what they do and care deeply about art and our art communities. But at the same time, I think that one of the great aspects of the Young Open is, in fact, people's individual unique personalities are full 
fully expressed on the walls. You see every possible subject matter and style of work. And very specifically, you see works that would not find their way Mm -hmm. into most modern or contemporary art galleries or museums. So you have works done in a more representational or naturalist style. You have works done as part of a tradition of figurative or still life painting or whatever it might be that would now be considered by many people to be uh, not sufficiently avant-garde or cutting edge. But this is the art that is being made in the Bay Area. So it is a very accurate Mm -hmm. representation, not only by medium, but by style and subject Mm -hmm. matter. We're talking about the 2023 DeYoung Open uh, Exhibition, which features 883 works of art by Bay Area artists. We're joined by the curator of the show, Tim Anglin-Burgard, who's the distinguished senior curator and curator in charge of American art at the Fine Arts Museums of uh, San Francisco. We want to invite you into the conversation. Of course, this is the DeYoung Open show. uh, And we want to know, did you submit to the DeYoung Open? Was your piece accepted? Um, How is it uh, for you to be a Bay Area artist at this moment in time? You can uh, send us an email, forum at kqed.org, or you can uh, give us a call, 866-733-6786. Or you can go on any of the things, Twitter, Threads. Instagram, Discord, or KQED forum there. Want to add another voice into the conversation? Trisha Legasso Goldberg is an artist and an independent curator. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, Alexis. Great to be here. So you have described the Tim's described the DeYoung Open as kind of holding a mirror up to the to the Bay Area, like that it, it shows the breadth and, and depth of Bay Area art. Um, I'm curious what you you've been to the show. What do you see in the sort of reflection uh, of the mirror there? Yeah, I mean, first of all, hats off to the DeYoung team, to Tim and and the curators there and the jurors who selected the works. I was super impressed with the number of pieces. I mean, I, I kind of felt like I was looking at the internet in some ways. I mean, it's huh. super um, overwhelming. Scrolling up the work. wall. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but in real time um, and in in my person and in, in real space. Um, what was the question again? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was just about what you saw reflected there, about yeah. what Bay Area artists are. are yeah, I mean, I think about. Tim said it, that it is, um, you know, th- there are trends in the art world, in museums, um, you know, that you see in magazines, that you see trending on the all mm-hmm. of the different platforms, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and an exhibition like this really breaks out of those trends. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't deny that there is pretty strong threads of history in the Bay Area. So, you know, looking at, um, to me, I saw shades of, you know, Wayne Thibault, of Kota Izawa, of Hung Liu, of, um, you know, these legendary artists who were Bay Area, if not Bay Area based, they played a huge role in kind of shaping the imagination and artists looking at these works. So I saw a lot of that reflected, which I, for one, love, that are, um our histories run deep um, and that our artists are still looking to the past for inspiration. But I also saw that, you know, our city, which, as as we all know, has been described um, ad nauseum in this kind of doom loop Mm -hmm. um, way, you know, that our whatever art scene is, you know, in peril or falling down, that this exhibition really is a clap back and demonstrates, um, you know, that, None of those things are are yeah. true, um, yeah. So that's what I saw, and, and it's vibrant, and 
um, you know, they're artists working in very many different media and mm-hmm. thinking about different things. The city, cities, not just San Francisco, but Oakland as well, is an inspiration, like this infinite inspiration and in muse. Mm-hmm. And I loved being surrounded by images of my place of living and working. <laughs> yeah. I mean... There's no better sort of cure for doom loop thinking than a warm November Friday at the museum (laughs) uh, wandering around Golden Gate Park. And you're like, this place is so uh, fascinating. What what do you think, Tricia, our artistic identity is here? Like, do we is it that reliance on, you know, history? Our artistic artistic identity. I mean, it's it's tough. Artistic identity of the Bay Area relative to say a New York or a Los Angeles. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think it's a little bit of a trap question mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's so many identities. Ha! Yeah, no. <laughs> surprise! <laughs> um, there's so many identities and so many communities here. And that the Bay Area can be a container for those very many things. We are not one individual, one artist is not one thing, Mm -hmm. right? So I love that there's a kind of multitude of beings, of perspectives, even in one artist, right? And um, some of the artists had like a triptych or a diptych, you know, so you get a couple of different views into their world. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, each work is a portal into some aspect of Bay Area life, right? So it really is a patchwork quilt, I mean, a mosaic, whatever your metaphor is for very many different things. This is the Bay Area. Yeah. We're talking about the 2023 DeYoung Open Exhibition, which features, you know, almost 900 works of art by Bay Area artists, joined by Trisha Legasso-Goldberg, who's an artist and independent curator, as well as uh, Tim Burgard, who is uh, the curator of the show and distinguished senior curator and curator in charge of American art at the Fine Arts Museums of San Francisco. We're going to bring on some artists in the next segment of the show, and we want to hear from you. If you've gone to the exhibit or you submitted to the exhibit, love to hear your story. The number is 866-733-6786. You can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, on threads, on Instagram, all the social things. We're KQED Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the new De Young Open exhibition. Second time it's happened. Happened in 2020 and it's happening in 2023. 883 works of art by Bay Area artists. You can see it right now uh, at the museum. Joined by the curator of the show, Timothy Anglin Burgard. We're joined by Trisha Lagasso Goldberg, an artist and independent curator. And we want to bring in a couple of artists who are featured in the show. First, we have Callan Porto Romero, who is an artist based in Oakland. One of her paintings is now on exhibit at the De Young Open, and she was also included in the 2020 uh, exhibition. Welcome, Callan. Hi, thank you for having me. We're also joined by Alice Beasley, who's a fiber artist, and her work is now on exhibit at the De Young Open. She was also included in the in the 2020 exhibition. Welcome, Alice. Good morning. Alice, what kind of art do you do? Like, what's it look like? Um, I'm a fiber artist, which means I do work that's in the quilting tradition, mm. but they're not like grandma's quilts. They're all <laughs> portraits of people and things, realistic portraits. And um, so, you know, it's all fabric. I don't paint on the, the fabric. I don't draw on it. Every All the light and the shadow and the, the uh, colors and everything I find in the fabric itself. Wow. So tell us about the work that's hanging in the De Young right now. It's a piece called The Water Dancer, and it's the fifth uh, in a series that I um, did called Undercurrents. Mm -hmm. And in each of these pieces, I'm showing a dancer underneath the water. So in this particular piece, um, we, uh, there's a very bright blue um, water and it's all fabric and uh, dancing in the water is a is a young um, African African woman mm -hmm. who's dressed in very fancy uh, kind of 19th century clothes mm. and she is obviously dancing mm. um, I love the flow of this work and I love the the fabric over her foot her left foot people <laughs> feel free to look it up search water dancer Alice Beasley you can look at what what we're talking about um, I'm also curious, was there a particular inspiration for this work? Uh, there was. Um, uh, it, it, it's taken from uh, uh, ta Coates's book, also called The Water Dancer. And um, in it, he, gives, he gave me a new perspective on how to look at my um, African heritage. Um, I've done work on, you know, uh, slavery and, and so forth in the past. And when, when any black person thinks about their history, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to think about a, a past of slavery and the pain and subjugation. Mm -hmm. So in Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, he has a, 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 um, a bit about the Middle Passage. And um, in the past, I've always thought about the uh, captured people on the ships and you hear about people jumping overboard mm -hmm. killed himself well he he take, does kind of a different take on it he says what if the people who were launching themselves in the sea weren't trying to kill themselves but instead were exercising their own agency mm -hmm. and choosing to um jump into the water in order to go back home and there was one particular paragraph uh, in the book he, um, uh, that that describes the bodies in the waters who continued dancing among the waves, yelling with all their might, what seemed to me a song of triumph. And that's what this woman is doing. Wow. 
Everyone can check out this piece. Where, uh, Tim, where, where's it hung and kind of what's the context that, that people might see this in? It's actually right on the sight line when you walk into the De Young Open exhibition. You look and in, head into the third gallery. There's a freestanding pylon wall, and it's the very top work on that pylon wall with two other works. Mm. And that's in the figurative gallery. So to give some sense of cohesion to this mm. 883 artworks, yeah. they are organized essentially thematically. The first room devoted to political social issues, then to the urban environment, then to figuration, nature, abstraction, and so forth. But it's very prominently placed. And her work is so powerful and so beautiful and has so many sort of multivalent uh, ideas underlying it above and beneath appropriately, given the metaphor (laughs) of the ocean and the middle passage. And I think the sense of ascension and leaping and freedom and liberation that you feel from this dancer at the top of the pylon, you know, 12 feet above your head is really, really powerful and moving. It's beautiful. Um, let's talk with our other artists that we have here with us, Callan Porto Romero. Um, tell us a little bit about your artistic practice. Yes, so I my artistic practice utilizes recycled material, um, such as cardboard or fabrics, and incorporating it into painting. And my it, it's become a therapeutic practice for myself as well because I get to carve imagery out of the cardboard or fabric, but mostly the cardboard. And therefore, a knife is one of my favorite tools. (laughs) Um, And when I say I carve imagery out of the cardboard, it's particularly hands. Um, I like to shape the cardboard, um, press into it, but all the lines are carved. And then I paint over it to make it look more realistic, Um, not to make it um, realistic where you think it's a real hand. It's just meant to <laughs> yeah. provide context, texture, and also um, give the painting a 3D effect. Yeah. So much personality in hands too, right? Yes. There's a lot of stories you can tell from someone's hands. And my art practice focuses on the um, idea of labor and how people are able to reclaim their humanity away from their labor and how they can find solitude, how they can find um, their own safe havens in sort of activities like gardening, mm-hmm. um, driving really fast with their windows down, <laughs> you know, listening to loud music, um, going to the park, things that have that, that element of peace yeah. where they don't have to, their identities aren't attached to their labor. Mm. So what's the pain or what's the, the work that you have uh, in the show? So the painting is another mixed media painting, but it's of my grandmother in her garden. And she's interacting with these calla lilies that are in full bloom. Mm -hmm. And the color is mostly green, but there are pops of orange, reds from these tulips, um, a lot of uh, different types of bushes or shrubs in the background Mm -hmm. that are red or yellow. There's a maple tree, um, and it leans towards abstraction in a way, but it's it does have her off to the side so that you can get the full glimpse of the garden. She's present, but the garden is the focus because that's her work. Are you working from memory, or do you go sit out there, or do you take some photos with your phone and then go home? And how do, how do you work that? So we did a little photo shoot in her backyard. <laughs> thanks, Grandma. Yeah, thanks. Shouts out, Bubbles. Um, <laughs> And I really 
wanted to paint her to celebrate the amount of work she's put into this place. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, worked really hard. She's retired now, but she's put so much effort into making this garden her home. And you go there, you don't think you're in Oakland, <laughs> and there's something nice about that. Um, and I just really wanted to celebrate all of her hard work. Yeah. As a fellow gardener, I can't wait to see it. I want to see some pictures later. Um, so talk to me about how you also got into DeYoung Open 2020. Um, how did that change your art career? So that was actually the first show I got accepted into. Um, I started painting um, in 2020. Uh, Shelter in Place really gave me that push because um, at the time I was working in the lab and I couldn't go into lab because it was closed. And so painting allowed me to interact with the world. And my mom actually um, told me about the DeYoung Open and encouraged me to apply. And so, you know, that getting accepted into the DeYoung Open in 2020 allowed me to actually believe in myself. As, yeah, as, like as, maybe I'm an yeah, artist. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and it also it was the community that I helped um, build and also people who welcomed me into their community, um, maybe because of that, but also um, subsequent events that I went to um, definitely opened my eyes in terms of what is possible and how you can use your time um, to cultivate that environment for yourself. The mm-hmm. DNG Open definitely provided that for me. Yeah. Um, Alice Beasley on the line. Um, how does it feel to have, you know, fiber arts, I feel like is not always respected by the fine arts world or everyone in the fine arts world. So how did it, how did it feel to see your work up in the DeYoung? Well, there's absolutely nothing like getting a piece into the DeYoung. But what, one of the things that I really noticed about this show was I was in the 2020 Open as well, and there was some fiber art, but in this show, there's a great deal of it. And that really, really made me happy. Um, so I think fiber art is coming into, into its own in, uh, into fine art museum, but it's been a long push. And um, um, having, the, having my work in the DeYoung Open really makes a, a big difference in my career. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for uh, joining this morning, Alice Beasley, fiber artist. Thanks. Um, we have um, some great comments. People, one of the things, and I will say, Tim, this is exciting. You know, sometimes when we do art shows, it feels like far away from people, but a lot of people submitted, a lot of people got works in, and it's like, you know, each person is their own network that like connects into all these things. So Gwen writes in to say, amazing show. My father, Hal Brandis, has a piece in the show. We went to see it, and we were so amazed at all of the incredible talent, made us feel proud to live in an area filled with incredible artists. Vicky writes, I submitted a quilt that was accepted in the show entitled Oakland 2022 Degrees of Change. There are several beautiful pieces of textile art, and it's an uncommon experience to see the work of so many artists shown simultaneously. Very inspiring. I've been to the exhibit three times now and find new works each time. The team at the DeYoung did an amazing job mounting the exhibit, not only grouping by theme, but also grouping to tell visual stories through color, form, etc. Hats off. Um... Tim, I have, a, I have a question about this. It's called salon style, right? Where it's basically pre- presented. The, the walls are covered. Think of it that way, everyone. Uh, gallery wall, uh, for those of you on, on social media. Um, I, I felt like I had to blink my eyes a lot. <laughs> There's like a lot going on. Um, 
do you have uh, a, a suggestion for people on kind of the best way to kind of try and approach this many works presented in this way? I do think it's a lot to absorb visually or emotionally, and I think probably the best uh, sort of procedure would be to go and look at you know one or two or three galleries and then go have lunch in the cafe and come back and look again. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think I you could argue, I would argue, that our entire world is sort of inundated with images, and whether it's online or offline, um, we are bombarded constantly Probably that somewhat generational and younger generations are probably more at ease with this multiplicity of images <laughs> seemingly arriving like a tsunami when you walk in the gallery. <laughs> but I do think the points the uh, you know, commentator made about um, there is some semblance of organization and also specific juxtapositions of works that sort of lead you on a train of thought visually or in terms of the meanings of the works. Mm-hmm. But overall, I would say it's a testament to the diversity of the Bay Area. So perhaps there's a uh, I would argue outdated paradigm of museums, which not coincidentally are often located in parks, that you're supposed to let go of the horrible, loud, busy, money-grubbing world we live in and go and have an oasis of culture in the park and sort of let that all go. Mm -hmm. But of course, museums are in the real world too, and you can't really separate yourself that completely. Well, part of that real world is that are, there are 8,000 at a minimum artists working right now in the Bay Area. Mm. And so perhaps ultimately the overarching sort of meta message of the De Young Open is that you need to be aware that there are this many artists here working, um, putting their hearts and minds and, and selves out there, you know, sort of hard on their sleeves. And they need your support. They need yeah. our support, all of us. We're all part of this, you know, sort of community of artists and, and um, you know, people Curators. want to support them. Yeah. yeah. This is what the art world really is. It's actually driven by very personal, very heartfelt passions of people who did it knowing they would never make a lot of money, <laughs> but that they could do something that actually made a difference. Yeah. And that's really, I think, what the De Young Open is a testament to. That's beautiful. Let's bring in another uh, artist. We've got one on the on the line who called in. Uh, Hannah in San Francisco, welcome. Hello. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So uh, talk to us about your piece that's in the show. You got in, yeah? Yes, I did. This is my first time. Um, It was very exciting. My piece is a a smaller embroidered piece, uh, similar to the textile artist um, that was uh, speaking before, so fiber art. Mm -hmm. It's an embroidered piece um, that looks like a wound. Mm. So it's kind of my idea behind that was what, there was two ideas. One was, if I take the idea of embroidery and push the limits and make it like what, what, what happens if you make it more sculptural? Um, because it's kind of using an unusual technique. And then the second thing was like, I'm trained as tradition as like a traditional painting and um, drawing artist, mostly landscapes and nature and stuff like that. What if I instead do something that channels some internal emotion such as mm. pain and this case, it was it was two years ago it was heartbreak mm. mm-hmm. so yeah it kind of looks like a wound cut into fabric yeah that's awesome hey Hannah, um thanks so much for uh for sharing that if people want to find it what's your last name oh sorry yensler yeah Hannah yensler there you go thanks so much uh for that people can can search it out at the museum um you know trisha i wanted to ask you if you're, you know, you've done curatorial work, you've put up shows, you know, someone with like a, a smaller, quieter work, um, it's in a big 
exhibition like this, how can we approach a smaller work like that, you know, in amongst kind of the din of a, of a large salon style show? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so when I walked through the exhibition, this is yesterday, I really tried to take my time mm-hmm. and look at every single work. Mm-hmm. I realized by Gallery 3 that um, I'd have to come back for a part two to really give each piece the time that it deserves. So I think, you know, to Tim's recommendation of um, breaking the experience of walking through an exhibition with so many pieces in it um, in two, I think is a good idea and also multiple visits. Um, You know, I felt bad in my own self and experience for the works that came at the end of the exhibition because I was a little (laughs) bit exhausted by that point. But I really do try to spend time with every single piece, you know, and really lay eyes on it. And I was quite surprised at how emotional I felt. Mm. Um, I look at a lot of work. I mean, I've, you know, been in this this business, this industry, this community for many years. And, you know, I used to be the leader of Southern Exposure, which is just down the street from KQED. And um, we did an annual do, an annual um, juried exhibition that received in person 500 works. So I understand the volume mm. um, of works that the de Young has mounted, you know, salon style. I think it's a real, you know, again, a testament to the um you know, just the vibrancy and the the prolificness and productivity of uh, so many artists out mm-hmm. there. But, you know, these, I think I am drawn to, like, the quiet, smaller mm-hmm. pieces. They almost feel like respite, you know, from some of the... Respite, the, but yeah. also, like, um, sometimes the quieter works can have the clearest voice or the, the most kind of resonant message or... Uh, you know, emotional connection with a viewer. So I, I think that I almost favor those smaller, mm. quieter pieces. Um, you know, it's easy to kind of be drawn in by spectacle, which I also love. You know, I'm not <laughs> trying to privilege one over the other. There's plenty for yeah. everyone in an exhibition of this size and scale. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say that, you know, for visitors um, going to the De Young Open, definitely look out for the smaller works and spend time. Give yourself a lot of time to Uh, meander and to really connect with with each of the pieces we're talking about the 2023 de young open exhibition up right now at the de young joined by trisha legasso goldberg timothy anglin burgard who's the curator of the show earlier we were joined by alice beasley who's a fiber artist who's got a piece up called the water dancer and we also have callan porto romero it's a party here in the studio Uh, i'm alexis madrigal stay tuned for more right after the break Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the 2023 De Young Open Exhibition. I went last Friday. Tomorrow is Friday. It's going to be a beautiful day. Go to the park. Go see 883 works of art by your Bay Area neighbors. We're joined by some of the artists from the show. Earlier, we were joined by Alice Beasley, a fiber artist, also joined by Callan Porto-Romero, who's an artist based in Oakland. One of her paintings uh, is also in the exhibit. And we're joined by independent curator Trisha Lagasso-Goldberg and Timothy Anglin-Burgard, who's distinguished senior curator and curator in charge of American art at the Fine Arts Museums of San Francisco, is in charge of this uh, DeYoung Open exhibition. But, you know, this was an open call, and it was juried, and not everyone was going to get in. So, some local uh, artists and gallerists uh, decided to have a salon de refusé for people whose works didn't get in. We're joined by Todd Hansen, artist and founder of the Four Chicken Gallery in Bernal Heights. Welcome, Todd. Hi, good morning. So, uh, tell us how this all came together, uh, the Salon de Refusé, which I just like saying, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> how can you not? Well, it's a very sudden thing. Everybody's social media lit up, of course. Mm-hmm. All my friends who are artists, uh, my neighbors, like, I got in, I didn't, did you? <laughs> uh, my wife got in, uh, and she reminded me after the first call that, that she thought someone should do a show for the people who didn't get in. Mm-hmm. And so she immediately said, you need to do that show. <laughs> and, of course, I was overwhelmed the thought of what this could lead to. Yeah. Uh, and my friend Bianca, who has uh, also didn't get accepted, told me, I'll help. I'll do the... I'll do the back work. I'll do the spreadsheets. I'll do the contacts. And she reached out to some of her friends. And within hours, we had 20 people. No Everyone was just so... Just like showing up at the gallery? No, of? just oh, responding yeah, to yeah, yeah. emails and on Instagram. Yeah. And fortunately, we had a slot available in the gallery. And uh, it just took off from there. I had no idea it would be such a popular event. So did you just take all comers? Is that what basically we you took, showed up with the work? You we had took to hang everybody. Up? We didn't want anyone else to feel rejected again. And it became a celebration. It was a really positive environment. Everybody was happy to be there. And quite a few of them had been in the first show. Uh. So they felt a little miffed at first. But, <laughs> you know, in, in the end, we all understand. It's it's There's so many talented artists in this area. And when you apply to a situation, you always have to be ready for all possibilities. And so this was another possibility that came up. And we extended it for two weeks, which is the longest show we've ever done. Wow. And had two enormous receptions and hundreds of people showed up. And it was a delightful experience. So I assume that you went to the DeYoung Open show, oh, right? Of course. Okay. So comparing the DeYoung Open show to the Salon de Refuse, the, my question was, did you see the same kind of themes reflected? Did you see any of that stuff? Absolutely. There was a broad range of of types of arts. Uh, some of were very immediate. Others were very classical in terms of uh, figurative or traditional photography. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of exploratory pieces. We had embroidery. We had sculpture. We had uh, things that 
weren't going to be allowed into the Diang for various reasons. Either they had uh, materials that weren't uh, appropriate for uh, that environment. And like a pile of leaves? Or what are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was one piece that was made out of edible material, so uh, <laughs> that wasn't going to make it. But uh, yeah, it was, it was fascinating to see what came in and, and allowing the artists to hang their own work. We gave them sort of basic guidelines about where they should probably put it and how much space to... to but you didn't it. choose, like... No, no. So it, it took a very interesting yeah. organic shape because people felt out who they wanted to be next to whenever possible. So there became a cohesiveness in the hanging that fortunately I didn't have to take responsibility for. A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple more uh, folks who uh, comments coming in and we're going to go back to the phones in a second. Dan writes in to say, I'm one of the over 800 artists who was fortunate enough to get into the show. I'm a 77-year-old self-taught photographer mm. and retired psychotherapist. I doubt if I'd ever been able to enter a work into the hallowed mm. walls of the de Young without the opportunity that the museum offered. Love those ones. Um, mm. Kelly Wright tend to say, uh, Tim, this is coming to you. Um, I stumbled on the open show at the de Young and was amazed at the broad spectrum of styles mm. represented. It's an inspired show. There's so much talent represented on the walls. It's great that some of the amazing artists in the Bay Area are given recognition by a major museum. I believe the works are for sale. Can you talk about that? I regretfully didn't ask when I was there. In 2020, the entire De Young Open team agreed that this was a unique opportunity in the midst of the horrible crisis of COVID, along with all the other crises going on at the same time, including the murder of George Floyd and Black Lives mm -hmm. Matter. Artists lost shows. They lost dealers that closed. They lost opportunities with collectors who didn't know if they should be purchasing works of art because what might happen to the economy under COVID. And we all thought it was very important that artists be allowed to sell their works and keep all the proceeds. The Royal Academy does a summer exhibition that's not unlike the De Young Open and is in some ways a model for it. But I only found out last week that they actually charge an admission fee of around 60 pounds, probably $80. And also, so they take a third of every sale from the artist, which Man, is... that's cold. That's... I was shocked. <laughs> but, but I give credit to, to our director, Tom Campbell, yeah. and the, the De Young Open team. Everyone was unanimous then and now. This All the proceeds have to go to the artists, and artists have sold multiple works. In 2020, about a third of the artists sold works, mm. and we expect the same this time. So, cool. Um, we've got another artist on the line. Hey, Sid in San Francisco. Welcome. Hi. Um, first of all, I'm very excited and thankful to be part of the Young Open in uh, 2023 and 2022. And I'm sorry, 2020, um, second time for me. And I heard that the museum is um, going to want to collect some of the paintings for its permanent collections uh, from the show. And I was wondering what the process might be like. And mm -hmm. yeah. Great. Hey, thank you, Sid. Hey, Sid, um, if people want to find your work, how they do it, just because they might want to. Yeah, so um, unfortunately, my, my full name is Terhoret Perazness. It's a little long, but they are, it's very small, S-I-D, mm -hmm. Sid, um, and that's, that's all there is um, um, in, the, in the show. Only first name, and that's also like Mike Michael kind of thing, short form. So, and it's um, an aerial view of, um, I love architectonic um, um, spaces, so it's an aerial view of... of um, at the landscape. Oh, beautiful. All right. Hey, thank you so much, Sid. Thanks for that. Uh, Tim, this one goes to you. 
The museums thought it was very important in 2020, while offering artists a chance to sell their works, that we actually acquire some works and and not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Mm -hmm. And so we acquired 16 works from the 2020 De Young Open across every possible media, including a work by Alice Beasley, which is very beautiful and is now in the permanent collection. Every artist who has work in the permanent collection gets a lifetime membership to the museum, and every artist in the De Young Open gets a a year-long membership. But um, there is a process in which the curators review the works in the exhibition. And that those purchases and and the young opens themselves actually led the Spain Family Foundation to gift a million dollars to the museums, mm-hmm. and that was used to acquire forty two works by contemporary mm-hmm. Bay Area artists, a selection of which is now on view at the Young Museum upstairs. So I encourage people after the eight hundred and eighty three, yeah. they should go see <laughs> another selection. Also, of works. you can mm-hmm. see my two favorite Bay Area mm-hmm. artists, mm-hmm. Uh, Liz Hernandez and Muse, um, are just so good. From from Oakland, and they acquired those works. So I completely agree with those purchases. Um, <laughs> Callan, uh, uh, tell us about were were you able to sell work after the show or through the show? So this is the dilemma of the artist, <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's more of a mental thing. Yeah. Where how do you part ways with your child? Oh, I'm not a mom, but <laughs> <laughs> this is it's it's tough because. You do want to sell. You do want to build your career. Um, and I have sold some works um, following the mm-hmm. exhibit. So thank you mm-hmm. uh, for that um, to people who have collected me. Um, but then you have that um, you have that topic of how do you sell work as an artist, as an emerging artist, particularly mm-hmm. um, in an environment that is also emerging and you know, Oakland has so much potential, and I'm so glad that the De Young is showcasing the Bay Area artists because this is how you build community, mm-hmm. and this is how artists that are emerging can get that audience that they may not get otherwise. And so it's more of the grassroots efforts of connecting with collectors now mm-hmm. and growing that audience. Yeah. Let's um, bring in on this point of community, uh, Marie in Los Gatos. Welcome. Hi, my name is Marie Cameron. I'm a Los Gatos artist. I work in oil and I do environmental pieces that are kind of imaginary realism. And I've been so honored to have two pieces in the both of the shows. Um, I'm just so thankful to the DeYoung for, for, you know, supporting local artists on this highest of levels. And I love how... We're so divided in the Bay Area. These little pockets of our communities, they're very dedicated, but we don't know each other. Mm. And the De Young sort of brings us all together. You know, there's no uh, submission fees, so it's very broad. It's very multicultural. It's very um, all different kind of economic levels. So it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And one of the results of, of this has been that I'm sort of going to be curating a show based on a lot of the people that I've known through this and my other communities um, because I've got to meet them for the first time rather than on social media or so it's it's, it's just a beautiful thing and thank you thank you thank you oh uh, yeah hey uh, Marie Cameron thanks so much if you want to uh, see her work you can go to her Instagram which is Marie Cameron Studio which I just looked up so I could see which work we were talking about <laughs> so uh, take a look at that and uh, thanks so much for for calling um, Trisha to, to that point you know, outside of the De Young Open, what kind of community building things do you see or want to see uh, in the Bay Area for artists? 
Community building things. Yeah, that's my area of expertise. Um, you know, I'm working with the Clarion Alley Mural Project right now, CAMP. Um, so I, for those who are familiar with the mission or not familiar, come on by. This is an alley that is between, um, that's right next to Community Thrift. Um, it's off of Valencia between 17th and 18th. Mm-hmm. So this is a group um, It's that has launched a project called Manifest Differently. You can find information on manifestdifferently.org. And it's 19 visual artists, 19 poets, six humanities scholars. I mean, this is a project that was launched by um, Megan Wilson and Kim Shuck. They're kind of, this is their brainchild, and they brought me on board as a curator. I mean, I'm. this is, you know, just an incredible experience of working from the ground up with really multicultural artists, um, you know, from uh, Palestinian artists to Iranian artists to Jewish artists to Native artists. There are a number of Native artists mm-hmm. that are included on the alley who are painted um, new, there are 10 new murals as part of Manifest Differently. Mm-hmm. You can tell by the name that it's a, cl- it's a kind of clap back in response to Manifest Destiny, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> So we can start there and thinking about those issues, thinking about colonialism, thinking about, you know, Western expansion and imperialism, right? These are topics that don't go away. They're very persistent and I think have an effect on our everyday lives. And deep part um, of Bay Area art history, too. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So um, this, you know, I feel super lucky to be to continue to work with artists and other organizers um, on the ground. So I, you know organized an exhibition in honor of my mentor, Carlos Villa, um, at the Asian Art Museum last year with my co-curator, Mark Johnson. Um, That was one kind of experience, which is a museum-level institution, but to work continually with spaces like ATA, with Clarion Alley, with Minnesota Street Projects is another um, partner. In all of this, I, I just feel super lucky to have these kind of varied experiences in the community, not just one, like institutional, but also very grassroots. Yeah. You know, one thing that I hear a lot from artists, though, and Todd, this is uh, coming to you, and because I, I think you're dealing with this, is, is losing the art spaces, both losing the places to make art, but also the places to display art, too, right? Because isn't your the gallery that you've been working with kind of constantly on the verge of losing your building? <laughs> it is, it is. And uh, the owners very graciously made it available to us. So it's been almost a year now that we've had access to this building, but we're always kind of on a three-week three week, uh Notice that yeah. that's all they say they'll give us. So we've been trying to maximize the use of the space and make it as deeply community-based as possible. So we've had many, many Bertle artists, many mission artists, and we've really tried to make it as accessible as possible to the community. And it's become a focal point of Cortland Street now. And it's really, uh, yeah. I, I think it's a, a treasure. Everyone knows it's potentially could go away quickly. So people come by almost every day since we have two shows a week there yeah and everyone's eager to see what's going to happen next so. That's so yeah well you know it's sort of like the uh, the ever-present knowledge of death making the life <laughs> more meaningful you know Absolutely. um i tim i, I did want to ask you this you know has the process of the open like doing this spilled over into other exhibits at the young or do you feel like it's it's kind of changing other things about the way the de young works or is it kind of it standalone we hope 
then it aspires to be a sort of game-changing, paradigm-shifting experience for both the internal staff but also for the public. Uh, our goal is that it would actually be a model for other museums around the country. The traditional concept um, or conception of museums is that they are the gatekeepers and also the guardians of culture and art, <laughs> which is um, you know is partially true and partially not true. But the part that's true really needs to be relinquished. I think this is an, an attempt to ground uh, the museums more deeply in the communities that support them and lift up the museums. We would not exist without the artists who make the work. That's a de facto, uh, you know, sort of assumption you have to go with right at the outset. But in addition to that, it's really living artists because you have this dialogue, sort of call and response between the artists in the museum who are no longer alive and the artists in your local community who are alive and speaking and sharing their voices and visions every day. So in that dynamic, it, we need to acknowledge and sort of sink our roots deeper into our local communities. And in fact, we have had a contact from the Brooklyn Museum in New York City, which is considering trying to attempt a similar exhibition in at the Brooklyn Museum. And so we hope that other museums, there's no reason that every other museum around the country, no matter how big your town or city or, or village might be, yeah. couldn't mount such an exhibition. And we hope that they will do the same thing. Yeah. Um, Callan, you know, just as we wrap up here, you're an artist who just kind of started to take flight just in the last few years. For people who might be out there going like, kind of feeling a little inspired to like, Maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a give it a try. Um, what, what do you have to say to them? I will acknowledge that art is a scary process, but it's a worthwhile process because you're uncovering so much information about yourself, and because of the challenge that art, whatever medium you're, you know, working in, attempting, yeah. <laughs> um, whatever medium you are testing out, experimenting with. The challenge is the exciting part because your art looks bad. I won't <laughs> I won't lie. It looks not so good in the beginning, but if you keep pushing through that that level of maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's um, am I on the right path? If you push through that, the end product that you execute looks so good. <laughs> and it's that it's that feeling at the end that really makes it worthwhile. It's I would say is similar to adrenaline junkie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've learned so much about trusting my own judgment through this process in a way that's so separate from my previous occupations. Yeah. Um, Noel on Discord writes in to say, glad there are still artists who can live in the Bay Area because I really like that aspect of our area, mm -hmm. the artists. We've been talking about the 2023 De Young Open Exhibition, which features 883 works of art by your neighbors, Bay Area artists. We've been joined this morning by Timothy Anglin Burgard, who's the Distinguished Senior Curator and Curator in Charge of American Art and this exhibition uh, at the uh, Fine Arts Museums of San Francisco. Trisha Legasso Goldberg, an artist and independent curator. Callan Porter Romero, who you just heard, artist based in Oakland. One of her paintings is on exhibit at the De Young. We've also been joined by Todd Hansen, founder of Four Chicken Gallery in Bernal Heights. And earlier, we were joined by Alice Beasley, a fiber artist, and a bunch of you on the phones. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank I'm you. Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, 
the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.